Welcome. Thanks for joining us today. And if this is your first time, we're certainly glad you found us, and we certainly hope it's not your last time. And we invite you to click on the digital connection card up above and just let us know who you are. And if there's a prayer request you might have, or if there's some information we could send you, grateful that you've uh, connected with us today. And if this is your spiritual home, we say welcome to you and hope uh, life is treating you well. A couple things I want to share with you. One, we're in the second week of our Operation Christmas Child uh, for the shoeboxes for Samaritan's Purse. And if you'd like to be a participant in that, I know Carolyn Fowler in our office has been out shopping for a couple folks. It was encouraging last week after our worship gathering in the building, that all the boxes we had made up uh, all left. So excited for to see those come back filled and uh, we'll pray over them and then send them over to our friends at Freedom Ridge so that they can uh, send them off to Boone, North Carolina. But check out this video. Three, two, and when those lids come off those boxes, you have never seen such pure joy. This is amazing as you can see the children's faces, they are excited as they open up the gifts for the first time. What makes the gifts more than just gifts is the message that comes with the gift. This is the opportunity for a child to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. The mission of Operation Christmas Child never changes. Children are coming to Jesus and children are taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. Millions of children around the world are being impacted by these simple shoebox gifts. One box can touch not just a child, but the whole family. So we need to keep packing those boxes and pray for the children that God will use this in a very special way. So thank you for being a part of it. God bless you. Again, you can see the joy that comes with our investing and the beautiful thing that comes in our blessing people that we'll probably never meet this side of heaven, but a way to encourage them that God loves them and, and we do too and just want to be a blessing. So I hope you can participate in that. And then I want to share too, we're coming up on Thanksgiving, actually here in Mansfield. We will be participating once again with our friends through God's Field, is Mansfield. And eight churches have joined together beginning the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. We'll end up here on Thanksgiving Eve at Linden Road with what we're calling Thanksgiving. Just an opportunity to celebrate and give thanks to God for what he's done in our uh, faith communities here locally. An opportunity for us to worship and gather to worship God. And then I also want to share that coming up at the end of the month on November 29th will be Giving Tuesday. And that's an opportunity for us to celebrate uh, nonprofits in our community. Uh, you know, uh, there's Black Friday right after Thanksgiving. And then there's Cyber Monday where we do all our shopping online. And then Giving Tuesday is a way for us to leverage. And so I want to share this video once again that the uh, Richland County Foundation gave us a grant to produce about the mission and life of Linden Road. Linden Road is one of the original 10 churches of downtown Mansfield. Yeah, we moved out here in the 50s. We're a little over 200 years old. The church is not just a building. The church is all of us, and it's going out into the community to spread the word of Christ. And we do what we can to help people give them a hand up and walk with them so that they can be provided with what they need so that they can better their own selves and continue their own walk with Christ. We like to go out in the community and serve meals. We do helping hands lunch down there on Bowman. 
We also do meals with Point of Grace that's downtown. And not only do we just serve the meals, but we also sit down with our neighbors and we talk to them, you know, get their story. Sometimes some people just need a listening ear. The Facebook page for People Helping People, it's always asking, says, we have these dates open, can anybody fill them? I'd say 99% of the people that make those lunches are different churches. You know, so if churches weren't there filling those dates, they would be people going hungry. We have a pots and pans ministry here at the church that through Love Inc., you know, we are connected up with persons in the community that maybe had just moved into the community or having uh, just came out of homeless shelters, people that are in need of things to be able to have a stable home life. Love Inc. sends me a name and address and phone number and I call them and ask them what they're in need of and they say, do you have any silverware? Because we don't have silverware. And then sometimes they have like little kids and they're like, oh, we have plates. You know, things that you just take for granted. An amazing story and you just don't realize the reach. So we were hosting a youth event here, it was a simulcast, and we ordered pizza from a local pizza company. And when the person arrived to deliver, walked in and they said, oh, I know this church. A few years ago, I was really in a difficult place, and you all blessed me with uh, kitchenware, with uh, pots and pans and silverware. And you know what? It's like I just gave those to my daughter because she's working through the same kind of thing right now. We've uh, had people, we've helped them find jobs. We refer. Um, so we've had quite a few people that have called us back and say, hey, I've got this job now, and you know, I'm doing really great. We're a small church, but we are a mighty church. We don't have the resources to do these big projects worldwide, but you know, anybody can do something. You know, even if you're just going to your neighbor and saying, hey, are you doing okay? You know, is there something that we can help you with? We just want to meet people's needs and to love them with the love of Jesus. And, and so that's where our folks get really excited about being part of that. Like Tom says, you're a blessing to be a blessing. So go bless other people. So again, it's an opportunity for us to share our mission and invite others in the community and would invite you. The giving opportunity actually begins on the 14th, but we want to leverage the 29th, and so please watch for more information about that. And as we come to worship today, we on Friday celebrated Veterans Day, and let's take a moment and just reflect on what that means. Someday, Liz, I'll go back, said Private First Class Peter Robert Zanetta of the 37th Engineer Combat Battalion and first assault wave to hit Omaha Beach. I'll go back and I'll see it all again. I'll see the beach, the barricades, and the graves. Those words of Private Zanatta come to us from his daughter, Lisa Zanatta Hen, in a heart-rending story about the event her father spoke of so often. She tells some of his stories of World War II, 
but says of her father, the story to end all stories was D-Day. He made me feel the fear of being on that boat waiting to land. I can smell the ocean and feel the seasickness. I can see the looks on his fellow soldiers' faces, the fear, the anguish, the uncertainty of what lay ahead. And when they landed, I can feel the strength and courage of the men who took those first steps through the tide to what must have surely like, looked like instant death. And like all the families of those who went to war, she describes how she came to realize her own father's survival was a miracle. So many men died. I know that my father watched many of his friends be killed. I know that he must have died inside a little each time. Lisa Zanata Hen began her story by quoting her father who promised that he would return to Normandy. She ended with a promise to her father who died eight years ago of cancer. I'm going there, Dad. And I'll see the beaches and the barricades and the monuments. I'll see the graves and I'll put flowers there just like you wanted to do. I'll feel all the things you made me feel through your stories and your eyes. I'll never forget what you went through, Dad, nor will I let anyone else forget. And Dad, I'll always be proud. Through the words of his loving daughter, who is here with us today, a D-Day veteran has shown us the meaning of this day far better than any president can. It is enough for us to say about Private Zanatta and all the men of honor and courage we will always remember. We will always be proud. We will always be prepared so we may be always free. There's so much that we have to be thankful for and even coming through the election of 2022 it seems like there's still a lot of uncertainty in some states, but just to be reminded that we've been blessed in so many different ways with freedom. We are in our fifth week of this series of Love God and Love People. I have to confess I've confused myself a couple times. I realized last week after uh, the in-person worship that I, I kept going back interchangeably between the idea of love God, love others, or love God, love people. But Others or people, it's, uh, I guess, an interchangeable word. But what I want to talk about this week is the permanence of love. I know when we look at Paul's writing to 1 Corinthians, we know that Paul tells us uh, what love is, that we know that love is permanent and it's greater than even faith and hope in its uh, long reach and even its durability, if you will. But it's because of this that we must sow love into the people around us. Uh, knowing that it will outlast anything else that we can do. It's the best investment, if you will, that we can make while we're here on earth. So let's begin with prayer. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for being consistent and persistent and unfailing in your love for us. Help us to love others as you have loved us. And God, help us to have a greater appreciation of the fact that love is permanent, that it's part of your divine story that you've written since the beginning of time. And we just pray it now in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. So we're going to land the plane on this series, Love God, Love People. And I'm glad that you're here to be part of that. 
And I know that we've talked through this series about God's love, and we talked about the examples that Jesus gave for us. And we also talked about, two weeks ago, the difficulty of loving others when we live in a world of sin and brokenness. And so what I want to do today is try to tie it all together by looking at what I would call the permanence of love and the idea of why it's so important that we uh, sow love into the world around us, because that's the difference we can make. And I want to say as a, an example of this love-filled posture, I, I want to share a story about one of the most selfless people we've ever known in the world, in, uh, beyond Jesus. It's, and it's a person by the name of Mother Teresa. Now, I never met her. I do have a friend uh, who uh, I went to school with, Jody Ford Watson, who had actually had the privilege of going to uh, India and spending time with Mother Teresa and serving with her and just have heard stories like that. But, but here's one person's account. They said, during my first encounters with Mother Teresa, I was struck by her profound humility. I knew that she was world famous, and I had imagined that all famous people have a sense of their own greatness. There's a pride that shows through in their words and their manners. There was none of that in Mother Teresa. There was an apparent selflessness in her, a quality that's not easy to find, even in non-famous people. It was as if she was totally unaware of herself, as if she was aware of only God and others. I had never met anyone in my life as humble as Mother Teresa. She was as humble as the poor whom we would lift up out of the gutters. Her humility was strikingly beautiful to me. Mother Teresa embodied so many other qualities as well, qualities that are all too rare in the world today. So these words, right, humble and kind and caring and compassionate, these are all qualities that Mother Teresa shared with others, and these are also several of the specific ways we're called to love others as we follow Jesus. Now, what we haven't really talked about in this series is the fact that there's an eternal impact of the choices that we make, that our choices have, can have on others, and the importance of keeping a long view of love, uh, the gospel, and the redemptive work of Jesus. So a little bit of a recap, right? In week one, we took a look at the greatest commandment shared by Jesus. When he was confronted by the Pharisees, Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, that comes to us out of John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35. It is possible that Jesus simplified the commandments, some 635 of them, for us to help stay focused on what really matters most. He was trying to get our energy fixated on one of the few things that will last throughout eternity. So I want to say first this idea that love remains. And I know that we are familiar with the love chapter, right? Paul's writing to the, uh, the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's read almost in every wedding. It's one that we know well. And if you've been to a wedding, I'm sure you've heard those words read and, or at least heard parts of it. And it's an amazing passage with deeply insightful truths about this idea of love. And a little farther back in that same chapter of 1 Corinthians 13, Paul takes and says something amazing about love, which is really sort of the foundation of what I want to say today in our time together. Here, beginning with verse 8 of 1 Corinthians 13, he says, Love never fails. 
But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. And when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, and then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So Paul starts out telling us that love never fails. And he, but he says then also uh, that all the other things do, that prophecy, tongues, and even knowledge is going to fade away. Commentator says this, about this particular verse. These were the spiritual gifts which the Corinthian church was magnifying. The context is affirming that all spiritual gifts are gonna stop, but love will never stop. There is no emphasis in this context on the time element of one gift versus another. Spiritual gifts are a part of time, not eternity, but love is eternal. Now, we've got to be careful not to apply too much emphasis on the things that won't last. I mean, that's part of our problem, right? And so in the case of the Corinthian church, they were all wrapped up in the idea of spiritual gifts, who had what over the other, even to the point where it was a detriment to their call to love one another. What things do you think we apply too much emphasis on in our current church culture? I know coming through COVID, a lot of things we thought were important, being in the building, gathering and worship, uh, liturgy, uh, the church bulletin, all those kinds of things. We focused on those, but maybe there was something about that, our style of worship, the music we chose, that really, when we look at it, it's simply about the fact that these things were an impediment or even a detriment to Jesus' command to love God and to love people. I mean, I think it's interesting here, our friend Matt Skolnick, would point you to the podcast that he's doing. Just had a chance to sit for a second opportunity with him to talk about men in the church. But I think when we look at the things that Matt's uh, engaging in, and I pointed to you here, it's called Intersect, and there's a link here in the worship notes. It's interesting, he just recently talked to Courtney from Habitat for Humanity and uh, talked to another fellow pastor a couple weeks ago, Mike Smith, who just talked about what it is that we can learn from the business world to think about how the church needs to engage the culture around us. And then there was an episode not too long ago where I sat with Matt and talked about just the idea of what I experienced going into the jail on a weekly basis and walking alongside men that are far from God who want to find acceptance. was just there this week and sat with a young man who Life is complicated and found out that you know, part of his issue of drug use today comes from some things he experienced growing up. And to be honest, at age 39, uh, he has yet to really sit down with a counselor and pull back the onion layers and understand his own story. So whether it's those things or the other things that we need to understand about being the church in a day that's post-COVID, I think we need to stop and think about what it really means and that's why we've been doing this series of to love God and to love others. And I think, too, one of the things I've learned in ministry as I've gotten more uh, mature, <laughs> if you will, is that the things that I thought were important as a bright-eyed 
a follower of Jesus out of high school are not really the things that matter today. And I think when, as we grow older, and we're all doing that right, as we experience and mature uh, with our lives, we realize there's really just a few things that uh, stand out about life. We begin to see things more clearly, if you will, things that uh, have maybe gathered our attention from our professional understanding or even the, the possessions that we own aren't truly as important as the people around us. And I want to suggest that that's the clarity, if you will, that Paul was trying to focus us in on. That as Paul describes here in 1 Corinthians 9 through 12, he wants us to see that uh, these things are just a reflection in a mirror. And at the time of his writing, it would have been dim and, and imperfect, not like the mirrors we have today. He, even this idea that Corinth was famous for its polished middle mirrors, which I think is interesting. They were the best available in the day, but they still reflected an image that was distorted. And so what we understand and, and what we see now is basically a dim reflection of God's uh, divine reality in us. Now, it's a, maybe a gross understatement to say that there's still so much we just don't know. But with that said, we know what God has revealed to us through his word, and that brings us back here to Paul's writing it in 1 Corinthians 13. Now, Paul says to us, Now these things remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. What does Paul say? Well, he says these three things are going to remain, but the greatest of these is love. Now, in other parts of Scripture, we can draw on this idea that, that it's the greatest because these others are going to cease when things are set new, when Jesus returns. And that our faith, he says, will turn to sight, and then hope will have its fulfillment. But this idea of love remains in its most basic as being the character of God. And we've talked about that in this series and other opportunities where we've talked about this idea that God is love. Uh, love remains past all the other things because love is the basic character of God. It permeates all that he is, all that he is about. It flows through all that he does, even. Uh, the writer of 1 John 4, 8 says, Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Let me say that again. God is love. And so when all else fades away, when nothing of this earthly life remains, the truth is God will still be there. And the truth is, his love will still be there. And for us, as followers of Jesus, we trust by faith that we will spend eternity with God, engulfed in his love. So again, this reality brings back into a sharp focus the call and the command of Jesus from 1 John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, to love God and to love people. Because that's what matters. Uh, this is what will last above all other things. Love is as powerful a force in the world that you will find. Martin Luther King Jr. said this, We must discover the power of love, the power, the redemptive power of love. And when we discover that, we will be able to make of this old world a new world. We will be able to make men better. Love is the only way. So I want you to think about for a moment, how has the power of love impacted your life? And even the idea of where have you seen redemption or the idea of forgiveness or the idea of compassion? And then even to meddle a little bit, how do you love others? 
Again, I'm so proud of the people that call themselves part of Linden Road, both in person and even those of you that watch online, to know that we're a small church. But even as Lynn Feldman said in the video that I began with, just the fact that we are in a large church to do large things, but what we are able to do is uh, to be a blessing to others, whether it's serving at St. Luke's on Saturday night, or whether it's, as we did a couple weeks ago, served at Trunk or Treat, or even as we've had the opportunity over uh, the many months and years to uh, serve a meal to a family that, as we help them celebrate a life of a, an amazing saint that's passed. Or even uh, right now, as we're thinking about the Operation Christmas Child and the shoeboxes, again, I was so encouraged by people stepping up, taking the box and wanting to uh, bless others that they'll never know. And it's also why we're talking about uh, this national campaign called He Gets Us. As I've mentioned many times, and we're going to talk more about it in the future, it's a $100 million marketing campaign. And when you side that with uh, even coming out of this political season, where I think in Ohio alone, $100 million was spent on the Senate race, it sort of puts it in perspective of uh, what we spend money on. I know what monies could do to help impact the lives of those through like Compassion International, so through like the young boy that we sponsor in Kenya named Moaka. Just got an email from uh, Compassion saying that uh, right now, Moaka's family has lost their uh, employment and how to provide and that not only them, but there's actually a, a crazy food shortage going on there. And so to be mindful that there's these things that we, particularly living here in the West and particularly living in America, have to pause and reflect on the blessings that God's given us. But this He Gets Us campaign is trying to raise awareness, particularly with folks who are what we say the duns, people who have maybe have been in church or even, even what they call the nuns, those that have never been in church, and just trying to get a sense of who God is and then how the local church can be uh, the hands and feet to meet people in their needs. Uh, it's interesting, I heard a podcast this week that talked about this campaign in particular and said uh, this particular video that I want to share here in just a moment called The Dinner Party is the one that's probably the most popular that they've aired where they get the most engagement in uh, to help people understand that there's a God who loves them. And this is all do done simply, and I love the fact that it's what I would call minimalistic, where it's black and white, and it's not very long, but it's enough to engage you to think about what's going on. What they want us to see in this particular video and communicate is that Jesus was radically inclusive. As we said a couple weeks ago, that Jesus was intentional, that his love ran countercultural to all that was going on in that day uh, through the religious leaders and then even what was going on in the culture and that he went out of his way to care for people uh, in society who had been rejected from those that were disabled to those who were oppressed by the the governmental regime uh, even to people like the woman at the well he befriended as we've talked tax collectors and violent nationalists he treated women as equals with such behavior that was unheard of in the day. And that he embraced people in a time that where uh, oppression of other races and other ethnic communities was just the way the world worked at that time. And that many times his love was so radical that it even broke the law. A caring man took a walk. Everywhere he looked, people suffered. Anxiety ran high. 
Hope dwindled, hatred rose. His neighbors had lost trust in the system and in each other. I need to do something, he thought. I'll bring them together and feed them. Around the dinner table, they can talk and see how much they have in common. Shared struggles, shared joy, shared pain. So he prepared a feast and invited all into his home. But some refused to sit at his table because they chose to only see differences. He was heartbroken because he wanted everyone to eat and be filled, not with food and wine, but with compassion. And so this idea of he gets us is a way to invite people into a conversation because I think in the current culture, there are many people who are far from God or who actually think that in their own mind that God would never accept them. And so what I want to say is this, is that if love is what really matters, if love is the greatest commandment and it's even greater than faith and hope, then I know there are a lot of us in the room and here online who need to take a long look at our priorities and our energies, or where we put our energies. We've got to think about how we're investing in the world that's around us. Do we, like Mother Teresa, have a posture of humility and a posture of compassion and a posture of grace? Or do we see the world through selfish and self-serving eyes? Do we look first and foremost to what we can gain and how we can build bigger storehouses for ourselves. So here's what I want us to understand, and we need to remember this. What we see here and now, right now in the world around us, it's only a distorted reflection of what God wants and what we will experience one day. The truth is we will walk by faith, not by sight, as we follow the example of Jesus because he is our good shepherd. Now, let me just sort of land the plane here. I'm sure many of us have thought about love at some point in the course of our lives. And we hear about it on the radio and we see it in, as it's portrayed in movies. And we say it all the time. I love their pizza or I love this song. But I'm not so sure we think much about the primary place that love plays in the gospel, in the hope that comes from God. Because it, it was because of this idea that God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. And as we've learned today, God is love. So it makes sense that Jesus would sum up all the writings of the law and the prophets by simply saying, love God and love people. And that's our simple call, is to love God and love people. It's as difficult as any instruction when it comes to application and execution but it couldn't be a simpler command to memorize and to meditate on. So what do we do about it? Well, again, my challenge to you this week, uh, maybe today or in the days ahead, is to take a moment and, and do an honest inventory of your own life. As we come up to Thanksgiving, uh, the idea of what are we thankful for? And, and then what I would ask you to do as you take this inventory is, where do you see love at work in your own life? And then to push in a little bit more, how do you actively love God? And then to say, if you feel a great deficiency in those areas, I want to ask, what are you going to do about it? 
just so you know, I'm always available. You can click on uh, the prayer button here, or you can send me an email at tom at lindenroad.church, and I'd be happy to you know, unpack it further with you. Because I think many of us just need to be encouraged in this current season. And then beyond the, the inventory, I want you to take a look at where you spend your time and your talents and your treasures. In fact, it's been said that we can tell what a person's priority in life is by, first of all, give me your checkbook and let me see where your monies are spent. And then give me your day timer or your uh, day planner and let's see how those hours in the day are leveraged in different ways. Because you see, when we begin to look at these things, it'll show pretty quickly the alignment with the things that we say we love. And if we say we love God and love others, it will be reflected with where we invest our time and our talent and treasures. Because we're pretty sure that God's instructed us to do two things, love him and love those around us. Then what I think, if you look at your, this inventory and you ponder it, and it doesn't line up, Maybe there's a couple steps that you could take this week to bring uh, into perspective this idea of love uh, with your time and your energy and your money. And then I have to say, if you're watching today, maybe you've never heard of God's love. Then what I want to tell you today is that he does. He absolutely loves you. He loves you so much that he sent Jesus into the world to live and to die to conquer death, and to rise again triumphant over the grave. You see, we need to hear, clearly you do, that God loves you on your worst days just as, as he does on your best days. He even loves you if you've been actively ignoring him your entire life, or you've been angry at him, or unconvinced that he's real. Again, my friends that are in uh, jail that I spend time with, it's, it's clear in my conversations with them, because of shame and guilt, they think that there's nothing there for them in the world outside. And Stephen, in the conversations in their pods about how uh, all life is about is uh, using drugs. And yet they have a sense, uh, as they push through it, that there's a lot more to life than that. And when we think about our life circumstances, maybe even the trauma that we've experienced, we need to be reminded that God is love. And this idea for you this morning that he loves you. And so let's pray together. Father, we're grateful for this truth. We're grateful that you sent Jesus to rescue us. And so as we gather here, may we sense uh, your presence in a fresh and new way. Uh, Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice and Holy Spirit. Uh, work in our hearts in a way to better understand your love for us as your people. And we just pray it in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.